The Nowhere Fast podcast is brought to you in part by Sepp's Pizza. In addition to their regular menu, they are currently running a lunch special. Any two individual slices for $12, Tuesday through Friday, 11.30 until 2 p.m. Pick up only. Please visit sepspizza.com to place an order, or for any other information you might need. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode, and enjoy the pie. Start all these just by thanking the guest for uh, taking the time to answer some of these random questions. It's it's been a while since we talked. I was trying to think. I'm like I've talked to you a bit on the internet, but I don't think I've seen you in person since like Edmonton in 2018 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think if it was when we uh, went to Corso. I think that would be the last time. It must have been, because, yeah, that was here. That was the last time. Um, how, how have you been, besides all like all the, all the stuff that I would love to touch on in this conversation, just has life in general? Life is really good. I mean, it's busy. I just launched a new project, which I'm right. sure we'll talk about later. Right. So that's been like a nine months to get that thing going and um things are good i'm off to tokyo on tuesday so yeah that's uh that's what you said to me in the message i guess that's that's one of the first questions what uh what spawned the tokyo trip is it the business or pleasure or a mix of both mostly pleasure um my partner, Loren, she's half Japanese. And so she's been going like every year. And because um, of COVID, we haven't been able to go. And yeah. now we can definitely go. And so I've never been. So I'm super excited to go and check it out and just no real plan. Just like wander and see what we get up to. I've I've never been either. I've really wanted to go for years. But I, I always like look at it kind of as a voyeur, right? Like you see it online. It's like a place where a lot of people I kind of look up to spend a lot of time. It, it almost looks like too good in a way. Like there's too much stuff happening out there. And like I'll see people go out there and then like one day, they've done more than most people would do like in like a week of vacationing somewhere else or in like a decade of home living. But I know it's, it's daunting. I'm like, that's why I almost didn't want to make a plan. I'm like, there's just too much to see. So I'm like, let's just freestyle it. Yeah, so I guess that that would have been something I was curious about too. Do you like plan these type of trips or do you just like go out there and then like go with the wind? Or do you have like some recommendation, like an idea of what you want to do, but not like a structure to it? Usually I'm pretty nerdy about this and I like make a Google map that's color coded with like, spots like there's no itinerary but it's like okay i know where i gotta hit right 
it's usually a lot of architecture and um but this one for tokyo it's like there's almost too much there's like a few things i'm like i must see and other than that i'm just gonna let the trip take me where it goes how long are you guys going for we're going for 10 days that's and like that, the, the perfect tokyo. time yeah perfect amount of time i feel like it I actually last thing Sarah and I did was 10 days as well. I feel that's like just enough to immerse yourself, but then it's not like overstaying your welcome. But I feel like 10 days is good. You can plan that. Like you can fill 10 days with the A plus plus things you need to do. Any more time I feel you're like too stressful to to plan. All that. 100%. Yeah, no, it's like a, you're like, you're almost ready to come home and you're like not ready to like live there yet. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that That's a way better way to think about it, actually. It's like just long enough that you sort of miss a couple things about home. So it's not like that upsetting when you have to leave. Like I always feel if I go somewhere for like four or five days when I have to leave, I feel like there's too much stuff we didn't do and it kind of like not depresses me, but like bums me out to have to like be uprooted before we like got to see everything. 10 days, definitely not enough. You know, like obviously you could probably spend 10 million days out there and still have stuff to do, but it's it's perfect. Yeah, it'll make me want to like keep coming back. So... And then is the the plan to go like annually? The plan is to go annually. I mean, we are having a kid next year, um, but we'll just travel with the kid. My parents did it. We can do it. That's uh, yeah. I like I I grew up with kids whose parents like showed them stuff, and they they were always. Maybe not like cooler, but like definitely more informed. You know, they get to go into life with like seeing other things than exactly where they are. So it's awesome you're already already planning to be that that type of of parent. What are you nervous to be a dad or stoked or a bit of both? I'm stoked. I'm maybe I'm a bit naive that I'm not really that nervous. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, it it's gonna be a trip, that's for sure. But yeah, you know, like we got this. We've humans have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. 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 And you're I mean, an an ad like an established adult, right? Like now is is kind of the <laughs> I, mean, I mean on in theory. In theory, on, like for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good good time. I I would say like I don't know. I have no idea about the inner workings, and I imagine even on the on the best days, first time parents have a bit of nervousness and like a bit of anxiety. But you gonna have to, right? Yeah, no, for sure. It's gonna be that first day is gonna be like, oh whoa, there's a human in front of me, and I have to make sure that they're like fed and clothed and like, but. You know, we got this. I uh, I I did really appreciate the way you told everyone 
kind of with that like cryptic video it took me a few minutes and then i realized like oh this has to be about having a kid like it just makes sense and then I mean, I think I watched the video before reading the caption. Yeah. Which explained it a bit more. I I always do that, though. I, like, watch things before reading them, so. Yeah. No, that was fun. I, I love that movie, Raising Arizona. And, like, if anyone's seen my Instagram, you know that it's just these, like, archival clips of pop culture. Yeah. Like, oh, what is the best scene to, like, represent, like, parenthood for me? And just that scene of like Nick Cage robbing the grocery store to get diapers. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's it right there. Did you, uh, was that like premeditated? Like, did you know years ago that if you ever need to announce becoming a father, that will be how? No, I did not. It was just like when we found out we were pregnant and then I was like, I guess we should tell people. And because I was already doing that, like, archiving of pop culture i was like oh this would be a funny way to like implement that into that project while making it a bit personal and so right. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was perfect it it seems like it you know required like some some marinating on the idea but it's cool yeah. that it was just freestyle <laughs> yeah i'm glad a few people got a kick out of it which was nice and it also like kind of ties into like my partner Loren when I asked her to marry me I got Tony Hawk to do it for me and so and that was also posted on my Instagram and people didn't quite get it oh was that like on a cameo yeah I hit him up on cameo to ask her to marry me and he did it which was sick that's incredible I wonder I wonder if that was the first like proposal that he got paid to to do i have a feeling it was i was kind of worried that he wasn't gonna do it because i'm like it's a pretty ridiculous ask to be like hey tony hawk can you ask this woman to marry me yeah like we were going to new york to visit um philip johnson's glass house and i was like oh i want to do it there and i'm like waiting for this cameo to show up it's been like five days and then like we get to this like famous house and the cameo hasn't shown up yet. And I was like, okay, well, I just got to do it anyway. And so I told her that the cameo is hopefully coming. And then whatever, asked her to marry me. And then like two days later, the cameo showed up and we like watched it while we were at dinner. But that's so the time still, didn't work, it was hilarious. Yeah, no, that that's a good like narrative to have behind it. Did he at all like talk to you? I would say, like, did he message you and say, like, hopefully she said yes? No, but like in the video, he said, You guys can like feel free to invite me and I can like kickflip down the aisle or something like that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> that would actually like you should call his bluff on that. <laughs> you should invite him and, and see if he'll come. That would be hilarious. Like, oh, here's our guest. Our star guest Tony Hawk at the wedding. <laughs> I wonder if he would just like come through, or if he would like charge you his appearance fee. Like, <laughs> cost you a hundred grand to have him at your wedding. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
Yeah, I bet there's a fat Tony Hawk appearance fee. Yeah. Fan does nothing for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I guess then uh do you wanna talk about uh the new project about department of interest? I I have I have a bunch of questions, but why don't before I start assuming things do you want to explain it in your own words like i mean briefly or unbriefly but i would like to hear it from you before i embarrass myself and try to assume (laughs) what it's about uh yeah no for sure so about a year ago well let me start back i've always been interested in architecture right it is like my favorite thing like Whenever I travel, it's usually based around going to see famous architects and their works. And I just have this deep love for it. And like, whenever I have spare time, I always drive around and look at these houses in like West and North Vancouver. And it was always just something that I did. And then I eventually started sharing it on my Instagram and like giving a little bit of information about the house, like the architect when it was built and it's like current status. And I started like, just sharing them on the Instagram, like just, you know, I love this stuff and I want other people to like, hopefully appreciate it or like learn a little bit like, Oh, I didn't know that about this house. And so I started doing that. And a lot of them are starting to get knocked down in Vancouver. And it's really sad. Like we've lost a lot of our architectural history in the last 20 years around here. They're just getting bulldozed and McMansions are going up. And it's really sad because this was like an important part in Vancouver's history is just getting like erased. And so I was doing that. And then I would go to open houses when houses were for sale. And then these, I would see how they were like being marketed. And like these realtors, like they didn't care about the house and its history. And I'd see stuff like, like tear down, like builder's dream. And like, they were already marketing the house basically to be bulldozed yeah. and that really upset me. I was like, man, like these houses, like they still have lots of life in them. And like, sure. You got to like, you got to update the kitchens, bathrooms, do these little things. But like, these are perfect homes to like live in and raise a family and grow old in. And just to market them as being like knockdowns just like really upset me. And so I never ever wanted to really be a realtor I never really thought of it but I'm so passionate about saving these houses I was like you know what like I come from marketing and branding and I think I should just like take this on and like hopefully I can get to save some of these houses like I thought about it in other ways like it's too hard to like uh like uh what am I looking for it's too hard to get the government and the local municipalities to change their minds about preserving them. And so I was like, that is not the avenue to save these houses. I'm like marketing and promoting them as livable homes instead of teardowns. Like that is a way where I think I can actually make some change. And so I had to go to school to become a realtor and I haven't been in school in a dozen years. (laughs) And I went to art school. So it was this real change going to like UBC school of solder and like studying for this exam, which I'm going to be honest. I thought it was going to be easy. 
it is not easy. There was so much math and so much law. I was just so stressed, but I passed it. And then you, they make, you think you've done the test and you get to be a realtor. Uh, no, there's more classes. I'm always in school on zoom meetings, learning and like putting in these hours I have to do. But finally, as of like two weeks ago, I'm officially, I can actually do it now. And so that's why we launched the website. I have a partner in this, Alex. He did the build out for the website. He's like a killer coder. He owns a design firm in town called Post Projects. I told him I wanted to do this and he went and got his realtor's license as well. He was like so behind the project. So we did it together and yeah, we launched it Tuesday. And so the reactions have been really good. And now I just got to convince people that have these houses to be like, Hey, like, trust me, I can get you top dollar and not get this thing bulldozed. And so that is my goal. Very, very cool. Like the, the yeah, the, the whole idea of it and the approach, how you kind of thought like, what's, what's the best way to like salvage these houses do it like the the proper way like getting a license i i wasn't actually aware that i mean that would have been one of my questions if you were a licensed realtor because now yeah. like are are you in a way kind of like the the women on selling sunset <laughs> like you're making uh, like million dollar commissions uh no it's not that way here in bc the oh the, the commission what? structure in california is wild it is wild i mean it's okay here but no it is not like selling sunset like you guys won't see me ripping around town in a ferrari uh <laughs> yeah that that would have been another question what are you buying a ferrari and like some <laughs> red bottoms <laughs> um never never not my vibe although i do have a problem with cars i have a few yeah yeah i actually am curious about which ones are for the photos and which ones are yours do you like can you you say like what what's in the collection yeah no for sure i have a 1962 volkswagen beetle that i've had over a decade Always loved, my uncle got me into vintage Volkswagens when I was like a little kid. And so when I was finally able to buy one, I got it and I'll never sell it. I love that car. I have a 1969 Porsche that I've been working on. It's the green one that I post about. And I have a 2001 Mercedes-Benz Galande wagon that I got from Japan that I've been fixing up. So, like, how do you balance all these interests? Like, it's insane to, like, go to school, become a realtor, fix up cars, be into architecture. You know, I uh, I know you're a talented photographer. Many other things. Like, how do you, how do you find the time or the motivation, like, to do everything at once? Um, having ADD helps. 
So I'm just like, I have to keep busy. At times it means I can't quite focus on one thing, but I'm just always like, I just got to keep moving. I got to keep doing stuff. And it's like, and yeah, I just, if I, if, when I get into something, I like really get into it. I go like, yeah. Or, and so like with the houses, like I, there's a deep research and archival project that I've been working on. And then with the cars, like I really nerd out about like making them era specific. It's just like, I don't know, finding things you love and then just like doing them to the best that you can. And then it never feels like work to me. And I'm, yeah, just, like, I'm just having fun and like getting to do the stuff I want to do. And then like, obviously like, I think if you do something really well and you really love it, there's a way you can find to make money out of doing it. Even right. with the cars, like everyone's like cars are a bad investment, but like I've managed to make money on all my cars just because I got in early, found the right deal and stuff like that. Well, when you like lock in to a new interest, like you're talking about this tunnel vision, sort of do other things like, do you detract from other things or do you find a way to like spread it all out evenly? Sometimes like things fall to the wayside a bit. Like I don't skateboard as much as I used to. Yeah. Which is unfortunate Cause I love skating, but I like currently the, the top three are like golf, how like architecture and the cars. And so skating's kind of gone to the wayside. Also like, I don't want to get hurt anymore. And I yeah. know that's, I know that's like the weak thing to say, but I'm just like, I don't want to break an ankle or break my wrist. And so. No, and you're, I mean, like not, not getting elderly, but getting older. Like I constantly talk to people who always feel bad about not skating enough. I think the world needs to be like a bit more lenient on on cool people aging out of that into other yeah. things like i feel people are too like hard on themselves no, right for that. growing out of it but it's like i'm not saying it's only for kids it's definitely a young man's game it really is and i started skating with these kids that were like in their early 20s and like when i was in my like mid 30s and like you know i'd like pile out after an hour and they just like kept going yeah it's sick to see the energy and i was like oh that used to be me but now even when i just get to go roll around now it's super fun and i love it and like i still watch skateboarding every day and i yeah. look at the world through a skateboarder's eyes and like i'm sure skateboarding has definitely influenced like my love of architecture because we look at the world differently right you see like a slab of concrete and I'm like, no, no, like you can like back tail that or back nose grind or, you know, like, oh, look at that bump over there. You can like, you know, ollie over the handrail. And like as skateboarders, we get to look at the world and architecture in a way that no one else does. And it's yeah. super that we have that. Was was skating then like one of your was that like sort of one of your first interests when you were growing up? Like, did that lead to all the other things or what? What was like your youth infatuation? I was super lucky that my uncle is like an old school pool skater from the 70s. Cool. And so from the minute and he has a kid, my cousin who's my age. And so from as 
early as I can remember, skateboards were always around. And so like my earliest memories, like I have a skateboard, like there's this great photo of like my grandpa, like skating down the hill outside his house in a suit and like my cousins, like standing beside him and stuff. And so it was just always part of the family. And he also was into cars. And so I can honestly trace a lot of the stuff I'm into to my uncle, Brian, like he got me into skating, got me into snowboarding, got me into like restoring like old vintage cars. Like he showed me like Nirvana and dinosaur junior, like smashing pumpkins and stuff. Like my uncle was like my gateway into all this stuff. Basically I've thought about the architecture thing and like with the restoring of these like, like vintage cars, it's a real like Southern California thing. And that's where all this architecture is. So I have a feeling like even the art love of architecture probably comes from him. And this is like Southern California style of life that he was living in Abbotsford, a suburb of Vancouver. <laughs> like, did, did, do you know, like, where did, because back then you were like, you weren't inundated with all this like internet knowledge so where did he learn about that stuff from so he has all the original skateboarder magazines he has like issues like one through ten like Ooh. when they first came out and so like he had a buddy because he grew up in richmond his best friend moved down to southern california when he was like 10 and so there was this like pipeline in the like 70s or like late 60s to my uncle through his best friend in Southern California. So like he'd go down and visit him. And so there was this like Southern California connection for him. And so uh -huh. and then through him, it came to like me and my cousin. And so. And wait, how, how old were you when, when this started? I mean, the, I was trying to think about this cause I had a feeling this might come up in this interview and I'm like, I mean, I, in the 80s, I had a skateboard, but I was trying to remember like my first like real setup. And I think it was like, it was a Think because Think was so cool in the early yeah. 90s. And uh, I mean, Greg Carroll started it, Mike Carroll's bro. And it was from this skate shop called Grandma's Skate and Surf or Grandma's Skate and Snow. But yeah, I just, it's always been around skateboarding for me and my family. And then did you, because uh, I I should talk about too. I'm I'm a fan of your photos. I know maybe that like as fall, you know, you have like other hobbies that maybe take precedent over that one. But did you get into photography through skateboarding? A hundred percent, because there wasn't a lot of skaters where I grew up. There was like. I mean, honestly, in the beginning, it was just me and my cousin. And then we met like four other dudes. There was like six of us. We had a little crew of six. And I'll be the first to admit I was the worst skater out of all of them. And so through that, I was like, some of these dudes were like really good and like went on to get sponsored. And so I was like, yo, like I'll film it. I'll take the photos. And like I got into taking photography, like taking photos that way through like photographing my friends skateboarding and a lot of the stuff's been lost but I, I do have some photos of like 
us in the 90s skating and they're sick to see do you remember like offhand what was the first for like maybe specifically as the first thing or the first style of architecture that made you decide to like really become involved like really dedicated to the way buildings looked and worked was there something that like sparked that initial yeah uh, relationship it would be the architect john lautner out of los angeles um he he shows up in a lot of hollywood movies and usually his houses are where the villains live so like if you've seen the big lebowski like jackie treehorn's house that's a john lautner um oh like the one where that uh the porn that king's basketball house. guy lives right yeah james goldstein's house so like that's yeah. a john lautner or if you've seen body double um it's this crazy house that looks like a ufo it's also in charlie's angels that's a john lautner he just oh, like oh yeah 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 um his architecture like really spoke to me and it's just like cool Southern California, very like futuristic concrete hard edge and seeing his stuff. I was like, Whoa, like a house can be more than just like four walls and like a roof over your head. And yeah. He, and so like, whenever I go to Los Angeles, I'm always like trying to see different Lautners that I haven't seen before. But like, he definitely was like, the first architect that I really got into and really nerded out on. And what do you know, like around what age you were when, when that started to like fill your head? That would be early twenties. So yeah, like 19 years ago. Yeah. Right around the time I like moved to Vancouver to go to art school. Would be well, like... Where did you grow up? I grew up in Abbotsford, which is a suburb, right. like, 45 minutes east of here. Right. So, like, when we were kids, like, we'd skip school and come here and skateboard. But I didn't move here until, yeah, my early 20s to go to Emily Carr to study photography. Were you, like, immersed in, like, did your parents have, like, art and furniture and that type of stuff in the house when you were growing up? Or was this, like, after you were out on your own? I'd say most of that came on my own, but my parents are, they're pretty cool. Like I've only ever known my dad as like a suit, but like when he was younger, he was like a jazz drummer and played in bands and like had long hair. And so there was always like, there's always like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Thelonious Monk playing in the house, which I'm super grateful for. Cool. And I remember like my mom once was like, here, I think you'd like this CD. And she gave me a Ramon CD. And so, like, oh, wow. yeah, I'm I'm thankful that they, like, showed me this stuff when I was younger, even though, like, my mom does not listen to the Ramones, but she had the, like, you know, the wherewithal know that that was something I would be into. And that, like, when when you moved, like, from Abbotsford to Van, were you also, like, deeply involved in skating as well? Uh, because I'm... I'm just thinking about how this has come up on, on here before, but skateboarding now is more open-minded, right? It's like way more of a thing to have many interests kind of all fused in one. 
But I'm yeah. thinking like 20 years ago, it would have probably not been as accepted to be a skater that was really into architecture. Like, did that ever like pose a problem? Like, I mean, I'm not saying it would be a problem, but maybe like people that didn't get it might make fun of it. Like, I I could see that <laughs> happening 20 years ago. Like, what was your experience? I do remember that, like, I moved into a skate house here with some sponsored skaters. And, like, they were definitely, like, what's with this dude's furniture in his room? Like, their rooms were, like, you know, like, whatever flow product they had in a box, like, tossed in the corner. Yeah. And then, like, I had, like, Eames chairs and stuff. <laughs> and, like, kept it clean and organized. But no one really hassled me too bad. But, like, it was, like, a weird thing where, like, the house looked like a bomb went off and then you'd go to my room on the top floor and it was all clean and like modernist furniture and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that made like, I mean, good, good for you guys. Vancouver was probably a bit more progressive, even at that time. Right. Like I'm sort of basing, I'm thinking 20 years ago, being an Albertan skater that like Dean stairs might not have gone that well, but in Ben, <laughs> yeah. you guys yeah. might've been a- ahead of it. Yeah, the crew I had in that house, they were pretty good dudes. But when I think back to, like, skateboarding in Abbotsford in the 90s, that was, like, we were outcasts. Like I said, there was only, like, six of us. And, like, because my, like, if anyone knows anything about Abbotsford, it's, like, God-fearing, hockey-loving town. And, like, you see, like, we would, like, I remember people would, like, throw their drinks at us, like, driving by in cars if we were skating or, like. yeah. I remember we built a little DIY behind our high school and then the basketball team came and smashed it up because, you know, like jocks versus skaters and like they didn't get in trouble because like they're the basketball team. Yeah, no, actually, the the more you say this does sort of sound like Alberta. Yeah, like it was like I really hated growing up in Abbotsford, like as a skater in Abbotsford, like in the mid to late 90s, it was like you were you were an outcast but, i mean it's funny I, now seeing it like how popular it is and i'm like oh like must be such a nice time to be a skateboarder right now yeah no no i i always talk to you it's funny i've i've had drinks thrown at me for skating too and i try to i like tell younger kids that's what used to happen and they like can't wrap their heads around it you, you know like skaters yeah are kind of the among the cool kids these days and it wasn't like that at all like i we i mean i think we're at the exact same age so we would have been skating same time so i'm i'm trying to think how it was for me when i was that age similar yeah. right? it's funny like, like when I go, I go to the skate park now and it's like it's rad to see like how inclusive it is like you know, like beginner skaters, like different people from all walks of life, like getting together. And it's like this like happy, joyous place. And I remember going to the skate park and being like watching dudes literally get stabbed. And then like 13 year olds, like smoking bongs and like fights breaking out and like yeah. kids having fucking sex in the corner. I'm like this and like uh, not PC culture going on at all. Yeah. And so it's it's nice to see that skateboarding has progressed into this you know, a lot nicer, healthier community than what I remember it as. I, you know, my parents are uh, 
cool as well. Like pretty cool, pretty tasteful, really supportive of whatever I've been into. And I remember wanting to spend my birthday money when I was 12 on buying a skateboard. And my parents, like, again, they were cool, open-minded. They, like, sat me down and they were like, if you want to be a skateboarder, like, do it. Like, that's awesome. But it's not necessarily, like, an accepted thing. Like, even, you know, they were, like, cautioning me about getting into skating at that age. And now, you know, there's parents like Tiger Woods is that they're trying to raise skateboarders because the Olympics and all the whatever is happening right now. Yeah. It, it's much, much different. But I also talk to people in here about the kind of coming, being raised in cities they couldn't wait to get out of. And, or towns whatever i i kind of feel like that that outlook almost like breeds more not success but it like makes people go even harder at their interest when they finally escape like you wanted to get out of abbotsford and then yeah. when you got to van i wonder if you flourished even more because you were just like itching to get like hit the ground running and get out. Like, I mean, like kids from here that are doing so much, like just excelling at such a rapid rate. And it's because they grew up in like grand prairie or something and they were just waiting to get out. Yeah, no, for sure. You're like, what can I do to get out of here? And then you finally get out of there and you're like, yeah, like, okay, like let's keep going. Like, I don't want to go back. <laughs> like, I have no interest in going back. Yeah, yeah, I guess exactly that. Like, the drive to not have to, like, move back home and, like, get back in what the rut that you just got out of. That's yeah. motivation yeah. enough. Earlier, you were saying your partner in uh, Department of Interest is a genius coder. I yeah. I agree. I have to commend you. I I put your website in in Discord that I run for Nowhere Fast. People were all like super impressed with just how it looked, like the aesthetic of it. And I also spent so much time going through it and just thinking like websites don't look like this enough these days. Like this is like a a great website. Like maybe. I mean, no, I don't want to like flatter you. I think it's probably one of the better websites I've been on in a while. Thank you. No, that's that's so nice to hear. Like Alex, like poured his like blood, sweat, and tears into that website because like he has his own company to run, and so like he did that all in his spare time at night. And, like he's a new dad as well, but like. He just went for it and I'm forever like thankful. Like he nailed that website. And I'm I'm super stoked to see that people are into it. It's like I I can only think like, you know, when I've designed design is a generous word, but when I like have an idea for a hat or a shirt or something, I can convey that maybe to someone helping out with the design, but I have no idea how like a website would work so like do you have an idea for what you wanted it 
to look like? And then, like, how do you translate that into a functioning website? Oh, man, it's crazy watching. He would, like, show me coding, and it would just, like, make my brain explode. <laughs> like, dude, like, um, I don't, I don't, I wish I knew computers, but I don't. But Alex just had a vision, and he wanted to build, like, people have noticed that there's, like, a color system to the website, and he built out our website's own language using color, and he'd send me, like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? But like he did most of the heavy lifting on that website. It's like, I always say like he built the framework and then I put the content into it is kind of what went down. How does the like color coding, not like how does it work code wise, but did the colors like automatically like switch to match like the photos? Is that what you mean? So on Well, each section has its own like, color system to it so like i think the yeah. directory is green the stories is brown um and if it's just like the doi brand it's blue but then if you go to the directory section where we have like architects or furniture designers or interior designers or like uh flooring companies like all the people you would need to build like a modern home there is a system in there that the banner that has their name in it is pulling colors out of the images from the uh, examples of their work. So that's really cool that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Super. I can't even imagine how that would actually work code wise, but that's super cool. I don't know. If maybe I've seen that and not realized I'm seeing it, but that sounds like pretty un unprecedented, even though I hate that word. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he said he's using, like, the most up-to-date, like, uh, building platforms for this website. Again, stuff I don't even understand. And now, a question that, that I had, like, kind of all along, what made you, like, you've said what made you want to do this, but also, like, isn't now not really an opportune time to be in the housing market? Oh, because of interest rates? Yeah, no, the yeah. market is super slow, but how we look at it is it's actually great for us that it's slow because this is the time that we can build the brand and like, like focus on brand, brand, and building this like genuine, authentic content on the website so that when interest rates do come down, because they will, the housing market's gonna rock it again, and we and the brand has been built, and then we can focus on that. Whereas if the market was ripping right now, there would be like no time to like properly like dial in the website and the content and like the publication side of things. So I am actually kind of glad that it's a bit slow right now, so we can really like dial in all our systems and processes before the market starts moving again so i'm okay with it right yeah no and like you you explaining it that way like it makes perfect sense right yeah. you have like the time to like polish everything before it ramps up again and i assume like with the the caliber of houses and the price point and everything like you you only need to do like 
a, a small amount of business to accomplish like what you're set out to do? Like you're not trying to sell like five homes a month or are you? I mean, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, like we're definitely, we're focusing on a particular kind of product. That being said, I've always been like, if any friend or a homie is like, hey, can you help me like buy a condo? Or like, I'm looking at buying this, pro- like, I will help them. Like, I'm not going to discriminate against anyone. Like, right. of course, we'll help you. But the main focus is the like mid-century modern and modern architecture. But like, if someone needs a help, like, of course, I'm going to help you. Right. I never even, I didn't think about that. Like, if you're licensed, you yeah. can do all of it. This, like, the Department of Interest is just, like, what you're kind of, like, promoting. But you yeah. could, like, sell anything, really. We can sell anything. Like, a homie hit us up, like, hey, like, I'm thinking about getting, like, an investment property. Like, can you help me do a pre-sale? We're like, of course we can, for sure. That's pretty cool too, because I assume you'll like you'll take things from those sales and apply them to the the bigger ones. A hundred percent, and then like, I I was looking at some of the listings, and and they seemed astronomical, but then <laughs> I, you got to factor in like it's first of all it's Vancouver. Then yeah. these like the type of houses, everything, but like I think what one of them was like twenty million or twenty three. <laughs> yeah, I mean I put that in as kind of a joke. It's a yeah. beautiful home, but like I mean, I'm I don't have the buyer for that house, but yeah. I just thought I was like, hey, like I also just want people to go to our website, like because I, I update it daily. There is new because I'm curating all the houses that are for sale in bc so like there's always new stuff coming up on there like i'm not listing them but like i want people to see all these cool houses and so like i saw that one and i was like i mean that's an expensive home but like people are gonna want to look at it you're like oh like that's what a 20 dollar house looks like and i just want people to just like see cool and interesting houses that they normally wouldn't see and what i'm really interested into there's a section on there that says restoration candidates and like, I really like looking at a house with it. Like most people would look at and be like, oh, that house is garbage. But I'm like, no, like the lines and the lines of the house are great. It's got good bones. Like if we just change some things, this could be an awesome house. And it's, they're usually, they're at a lower price point because they need some work. And I really want to like cultivate like a mindset around, hey, like just cause it's old and a bit run down, we can save that thing and you'll have the coolest house on the block guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I assume as time goes on, like you'll just build your references. Pe- like people will send their friends your way. Like I can only imagine, like in the next little while, like this will just become more and more fruitful for you. Like every every realtor, I'm assuming each sale kind of adds to their like name. And like sure. clout, if you will. So each time you like actually sell a house, will just add to the strength of like selling more houses. Hundred percent, yeah. Word of mouth yeah. is key. It's it's super cool. I was telling Sarah before she left this morning that you know there are a lot of people 
who have like kind of mood boards or whatever and they like find ways to post kind of the similar images to what you post but they're not their images right they're just like finding them on the internet and it's cool to look at that like it's not bad but you found a way for it to be your job to post this stuff but you're actually like you or your like colleagues are taking these photos like it's original content for an actual company instead of just like googling the house from big lebowski (laughs) yeah yeah and like i said earlier it's like find what you love and then try and make a job out of it yeah yeah Yeah, i'm not dumb not everyone can do that but like that's just the method i'm trying to go by and it, it's cool because, like, I assume, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it's not. Are you trying to make this your, like, full-time job? Like, I'm assuming you have many other ways of paying bills. Yeah, I mean, the last few years I've been working in consulting, like, doing, like, marketing and branding for other companies. And that's, I've done pretty well with that. I have some good clients. But... I think eventually I wouldn't mind. Well, I have a master plan. Eventually I want to get into actually buying these houses and restoring them myself. Oh, okay. Like that would be like, that would be my dream that if I could start grabbing these under, these undervalued and beat down homes and bringing them back to life, that would be like, that to me is my ultimate dream. And that is like my end goal with this. Department of Interest will still always be around. But if I could do that on the side, like start restoring these architecturally significant houses, that is my dream. That is all. And it's been my dream job for like 20 years. Like that's what I want to do. Also, like I uh, I should extend congratulations because a, a lot of people like have these dream jobs, but they don't really implement things to make it a reality it's cool that you've been like kind of sitting on this idea for a while but you're taking the steps to make it a thing a lot of people including myself just talk about like these dreams of ours but we don't like really make any effort to attain them so yeah i mean it's really cool you did it's a lot. I mean, it's just a lot of work. And like, I didn't want to go to school, but like, I just had to do it. And like, yeah, you know, and like, I'm, I am I don't consider myself much of a salesman, but now I'm, I'm going to have to be a salesman if I want to get to my end goal. And like, so I just got to like, you know, push through it and figure it out so that I can get to where I want to be. Do you uh, personally like a challenge? Like if it's something you haven't done before or like you don't you didn't love the idea of going to school but you did it like just as a stepping stone and all this does that type of thing like kind of excite you sorry for the interruption i just want to quickly mention another sponsor of this podcast town square brewing i know wesley recently quit drinking so I'm sure he would appreciate us highlighting some non-alcoholic options, such as our hot water, sparkling tea, and Italian soda. Be sure to look for those, in addition to their beers wherever you usually find your craft drinks. 
If your favorite liquor store or bar doesn't have Town Square in their cooler, you should ask them why they don't. Please drink responsibly. 18 plus of course. Let's get back to the episode. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. Yeah, I like it. I like a new challenge. Like, I kind of like being like a lifelong learner, like learning new skills. Yeah. To like apply to like my future. No, I, I enjoy a challenge. That, oh. I mean, uh, I would hope so because it sounds like you have a lot of self imposed challenges on your plate right so I, <laughs> yeah i would hope yeah. you liked it or else you're just gonna taking on all this cool stuff but not loving the process no the process is rad it's hard like when you're in it you're like oh this sucks but then when you did it you're like oh man that's awesome okay on to the next one and like, yeah even like yeah. yeah the website's launched but we keep joking we're like but now the actual hard part comes <laughs> like right. now i actually convince people to use us which that's a, yeah yes I, I mean lately I, I personally have been trying to operate more like you know set a goal and if you hit it that's great you know just celebrate don't celebrate but then what's next like i find you always have to be like doing something else and it, it sounds like you would agree but like what's what's your like personal thought on that like you're you're always trying to find like what's next like what can you learn about now that you already maybe not mastered but you like learned a new skill you're a realtor now now what what's the next mission yeah i mean in the professional life it's okay like now that i've become a realtor like i want to be the best realtor and like i want to nail like those processes really well um so i'm just gonna focus on that but then in my personal life i want to build a race car that's next (laughs) yeah so that is like the next thing i've like started nerding out on is like how to go about building this race car and like it's just you know it's like a fun way when i'm not thinking about work i can think about this other like i can nerd out on this other project yeah and like i have a goal for that it has to be done in five years because there's this it there's this event called Rensport, which is like a vintage Porsche event where all vintage Porsche race cars go to Laguna Seca in California. It literally happened last weekend, and I didn't go because I'm going to Tokyo and I couldn't make it work. Yeah, but I was like, to to my partner Loren, I was like, my goal is to build one and take it there for the next one in five years. And so, like that is like my next personal goal I'm working on. Dude. Drive it out there, or ship it out there. I want to drive it down. Is what I'm going to do. It's a lot that of is, miles, a lot of kilometers. Yeah, it, it'll on. be a blast. And then I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, the kid will be like five years old. I'm going to take my son. It'll just be like that. Is my next goal in my personal life. You are you just saying, son, to manifest, or you know? Oh no, it's just, we're having a boy. Yeah. Yeah, we we found out. Yeah, I don't. I wonder if I'm ever lucky enough that I'm able to have a kid. I don't know if I'd wanna. I I think I'd wanna know ahead of time. 
Yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, like, it'd be cool to have a surprise. And then Loren was like, well, I'm finding out so you don't have a choice. See, I think it would be the opposite. <laughs> I would want to know, and I think Sarah could let it go. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's cool. I'm stoked for having a boy. It's going to be rad. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm I'm trying to think because there were two things I wanted to talk to you about, and they were, like, starkly different. I can segue into that really easy. Please do. I assume you want to talk about index. Yes. Bar. Yeah, yes. no problem. So uh, index was a space that I ran from 2013 to 2019. And I started it with three friends. We had been talking about, we had, you know, we were a few years graduated from art school. We were doing our own things. Like I was working as a photographer at a, like a high-end fashion store in town and they were working in restaurants and one of them was like doing construction and we were like we wanted to build like an art gallery because there was no one really showing work of like our peers and contemporaries at the time and so we'd always talked about it and I was always looking at spaces and then one day I was hung over at work on Craigslist and I found this ad that was just like two sentences. It was like studio for rent, retro wood walls. And I was like, uh, what was it? 1100 bucks. And I was like, yo, what is this? And so I sent it to my friend, Lindsay, who I started it with. And I was like, we should go check this out. And emailed him, went to it. And like the second I got there, I was like, oh, yo, this is the place. It was the top floor of a furniture warehouse in like a rundown part of town. And you came up these stairs and it was concrete floors and these like wood slatted walls, like going back to mid-century modern, like total like Mad Men era office space. But it had been kind of gutted, but they left the wood walls up. And I was like, yo, we should rent this. This is amazing. And so... We rented it. We spent the next two months renovating it. Like, and we knew like none of us wanted to pay out of our own pockets to pay the rent on the space for the gallery. So we decided to build like a very small bar in the back room. And Brendan, who also founded it with me, he worked in construction and him and I like came up with this like cool curved bar with these stools that we'd repurposed from this old cafe him and I used to go and drink coffee at. And we basically built like a Mad Men era bar in the back of this art gallery. Like we went to town so hard, like we even like did herringbone floors in there from this old basketball court we repurposed. Like no one ever saw them because, you know, it's a dark bar. But like if you looked at your feet, there was literally like a herringbone floor in this space. And so... We built the bar in the back room and then we built the front room, which was like two rooms with like a big picture window in between them to be the gallery space. And we started throwing exhibitions and then you'd go to the art exhibition and then you'd walk through this door into this back bar to like go to the reception and like have a drink. And people were really vibing on it because there wasn't really anything like that in Vancouver. And in the beginning, 
there was no DJs. It was just like playing jazz off of an old hi-fi stereo system. I stole off my dad that was just sitting in the basement. And then I was like, wait, like, why do we have to wait for an art opening to open the bar? I'm like, let's just open the bar every Friday. And so there was no, I wasn't Facebooking anything. I would just send out texts to people that I knew that just said open. And then like a, a picture of like a, a famous painting or something like that. And that just let people know, like the bar is open and people started coming and like no DJs. They just came and they just like drank and hung out. We had a rooftop patio so you could smoke. And it started growing this like cult following, like people waiting for that, like open text, like, Oh, is the bar open tonight? Is the bar open? And then we did that quite a while and then i forget who approached me first it might have been derek from pacific rhythm he was like i want to throw a party here and i was like well yeah dude like i didn't really know derek at the time but it's funny we always joke about it now we'd see each other at the skate park and like not say hi even though we like same skate park you know that skater mentality like who's this guy who's that guy like, yeah yeah just dumb shit and then I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then from that party, like me and Derek went on to throw like one to two parties a month for like six years. And like, I've thrown more parties with Derek than anyone. And very quickly after I started doing those late night parties, all three of my partners in the space dropped out. <laughs> they just didn't want to do it. They didn't want to be up till six in the morning. They got other interests and they left very quickly. And it became just mine within its first, within the first like six months, it became mine by myself. And what was that like super stressful or did you kind of embrace the idea of like being the solo owner? I embraced it being a solo thing. Yeah. And I had a buddy who helped me out, but I enjoyed like not having to ask approval to throw parties. Yeah. Doing it on my own. And then building these relationships with Derek from Pacific Rhythm or Liam and Jack at Mood Hut and all the Mood Hut guys did parties. And then just meeting people in the scene who wanted to do parties at the space. That's I uh kept really, I kept it tight. I didn't let everyone throw a party. Yeah. It's it curated how it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like treating even those shows like a gallery right? like yeah a good gallery is kind of like decisive about what they show right so it's awesome to have that way of thinking like applied to like an, a night spot as well and i i was digging not like deep digging but i just asked a few people i know who had like personal experiences at Index, and I heard from two separate people. I, like I don't even know what this means, really, but they said Liam's parties were the most memorable, like the, the ones he was parties. involved with. Oh, li- no, they were called Lifetones. Liam's parties were killer, killer. Yeah, they had a certain energy about them. Yeah, like I'm I. I'm sure they're all great. I don't think anyone was like downplaying the other ones. They just said like, bring up Liam's parties if it 
if it works in the conversation <laughs> and I yeah. I saw the moment, so I seized it. No, for sure. Yeah, Liam's parties, those lifetimes parties were rad. They were and yeah, like you said, not not downplaying anyone else's parties. Everyone's party was rad. But yeah, there was a certain energy at those lifetimes parties that was amazing. And it was really fun. And sorry, my cat's moving this thing. Um I want to say like two years in, I started getting kind of burned out on it. And like, yeah, me like wanting to move forward. I um I decided to like close it and I took the money that I'd made from that space and I opened up a warehouse uh up on Fraser Street here it was like 3,000 square feet and I cut into 15 artist studios so that I could like provide cheap artist space to to artists in Vancouver um so I ended up doing that but I handed the keys off to a buddy of mine who wanted just a clubhouse and it was like a it was like a membership clubhouse vibe at index but i retained a membership and in that membership i was allowed to throw parties <laughs> and so at year two i ended up going from having to pay the full rent and taking care of the space all by myself to only paying like an eighth of the rent and still getting to throw parties yeah no I, mindset, I, I'm I was... like. I'm thinking it sounds like you have a real like skill finding a way to at least like break even at all these amazing endeavors. Like I'm thinking about when I I have an idea to do something kind of avant-garde and like creative. Like I never I don't think I've ever made money off any of these things. I just constantly sink money into these things and love <laughs> doing them, but no profit at all. It sounds like you'd like I mean off index and off the cars and now off like department. It sounds like you like understand how to actually not like not milk these things, not make any more than you need to but at least sustain things like that that's something i could definitely learn to do going forward that's amazing thanks yeah i mean it's hard and there was definitely like in the beginning there was some months where i like had to like come out of pocket for this stuff but i've been pretty fortunate to like not like index never made me a ton of money that was like for the love for sure um the warehouse with the artist studios made zero money but i felt good knowing that i was providing like really cheap artist space in town right um, and um yeah i mean i just you know you got you want to do something you just figure it out just like make it happen do what you got to do like i like and from these things like because the budgets were so small and the profit margins so thin like i learned how to like do drywalling, do plumbing, like, um, tiled the, like I tiled the bathroom at index. Like I couldn't afford to pay anyone. I just had to like on YouTube and like figure out how to do this stuff, like on my own to like keep the costs down. And then if something broke, be like, okay, I can't pay somebody. Like I'm going to figure out how to do it myself just to like, you know, like that DIY, like skater mentality, like do what you got to do to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And now, like, this was, uh, like, did you not have 
licenses to do this. Like everyone says it's underground, right? But if you're like publicly talking about it, like how how illegal was this? A hundred percent illegal. <laughs> yeah. There was no licenses at all. Yeah. Did like peer the authorities or whatever, like did they know about it eventually? They did. So that's an interesting story. Um, the first night with DJs ever, the cops came. They didn't come inside, but they came downstairs. And so I went downstairs, introduced myself, told them we were just having a birthday party. You know, it got out of hand. A bunch of people showed up. Like, we can, we'll turn the music down. Like, no problem. And they were like, okay. And they left and we turned the music down. We wrapped the party up over the next hour and a bit. And then a week later, I get a phone call on my phone and it's the head liquor inspector with the VPD uh-huh. asking me about my space. And I was like, oh. And they asked if I would come to City Hall and meet with them. I was like, oh, man, like the first party and I have to go to City Hall now. (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, I put on a suit. I go to City Hall and I sit in this room and it's like two people from the VPD, a firefighter and then like somebody from City Hall. And they're like, so tell us what's going on with this space. And I was like, oh, you know, it's like an art gallery. We do like photography shows and poetry readings and you know, we were just having a birthday party in the back and then like a bunch of people came and it just got out of hand and, and they bought it <laughs> and they put a note in our file that the space was okay. And they never bothered us ever again for six years. That's amazing. It is so hilarious. Like I went in a suit, you know, like I did it and yeah, we were left alone until we closed the space. And thankfully, nothing ever happened at the space that I know of. Like, only one, there was a fight once for like one second, and I kicked the guys out, and that was it. Like, everyone was, for the most part, as far as I know, pretty respectful in the spot. That's super rare. It's Although, super you know- rare. We but, we used to have parties at the studio and they would get like pretty ratty. We were like very lucky there was no one in the building at night and barely even in the neighborhood at night. Yeah. So no one ever bothered us. But people were super respectful there as well. I think maybe people like deserve a bit more like credit than people like typically give them. I think like the right people at a right space are going to respect the sanctity of that, right? And not, like, blow it up in any way. Like, I assume the guys who were in that fight probably weren't, like, regulars. Like, they weren't, like, friends of yours. No, not at all. And, like, for the first few years, I also ran the door. And also, I guess it's, like, because it was so underground, like, you had to know to find the spot. So like goons weren't showing up. Right. Occasionally they would, but like there was times when I ran the door where I just told them we were full. Cause I could just tell these dudes were like, not this party's not for you. Right. Like, I would just be like, Hey, sorry guys. Like it's full. And like some guys would be like, okay. And other guys would complain. But like, I tried to like 
you know, like keep that kind of element out of the space. Cause I just yeah. want people to have fun up there. And I know I did get a bit of a rap from people like saying that I was a bit harsh on the door, but like what they don't understand is like, I have a space upstairs. It's at capacity. I want it to be safe. Like I just can't let more people in. Yeah. You know, and like and people like they had this like entitled, like, let me in. I want to party. And I'm like, okay, but like, I'm sorry, but you can't. It's full. And like, I'd have to sometimes be mean to people. And I don't like being mean, but it's like, look, like you can't come in. It's too busy. It's not safe. I don't want anything bad happening. Like, I'm sorry. Come earlier next time. You're more than welcome. I'm open at 11. Come on in. Don't come at 3 a.m. and be annoyed you can't get in. Yeah. And I mean, who who's to say, like, if you had, you know, been more lenient, you might have different stories to tell like instead exactly. of saying everyone was good you might say like there was a shooting one day with these guys that came in at three in the morning yeah and that would be an absolute nightmare but thankfully nothing ever bad happened that i and i'm sorry if i was ever rude to you on the door but it was just for the safety of the space yeah when when that all like you know, like when the two years came or when the six years came and it fully closed, did you uh, like miss it? Like, was there a part of you that like was really attached to that like sense of community and like you just going to work, working the door? I'm sure you saw all your friends every Friday and Saturday, right? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like an end of an era and it was sad when it closed. Like it was such like an important time in my life, like building up this space and like meeting all these people and then giving people a space to go and dance and have fun. And, you know, like one of the guys went and opened up another space and he asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And I said, no, cause I was like, I think I've, I've said what I have to say and I've done what I wanted to do in this space. And yeah, I felt good. Like it was good closure. I was like, yeah, like I've thrown the parties I wanted to see, had the DJs play I wanted and created this atmosphere. Like I'm going to go out, I'm going to finish now. Kind of like Heath Kerchart retiring in his early thirties. I'm like, yeah, going out now. I'm good. I want to on to the next challenge. I had a good six year run. I mean, that that's super commendable, too. I feel like even me, I've done it before. People, like, overstay their, maybe not overstay their welcome, but they, like, try to do something too long and it just, like, is kind of irrelevant by the end of it, right? Like, it's so much better, I think, to leave on a high note and then, like, 100%. you only have good memories. Yeah, it just you don't want to drag things on. It's just... There's something to be a little sad. You're just like bow out wanting the public have like they want more, you know? Like yeah. just bow. Yeah. On to the next. And I assume people like still ask you advice or like if you want to partner up on a like a show or a venue. Yeah, no, for sure. Or a lot of people are like, oh, do you miss it? And I'm like, I miss parts of it, but like I also don't miss being up until 7 a.m. and like Yeah. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. Like I live a pretty clean lifestyle now. And I'm like, yeah, like I had a lot of fun then, but I'm on some different shit now. 
<laughs> I I actually heard that through the grapevine that you were sober now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty one months. Oh, yeah. okay. I I yeah. didn't know that it was. I mean, like I didn't think it was vague, but I didn't know you were like that far along with it. That's yeah. good, right? Like you, I assume feel much better in every way. Dude, I feel great. And honestly, the thought of a hangover, I just can't do it. They got so bad in the end. I, uh, I've been on and off like for a while, more like getting more off than on. And then Jen actually kind of inspired me to, uh, like get sober. So I have not nearly what you have, but the same thing, like I, I I'm sober now and thinking about the effect, like how fun it would be to drink, but then how bad it would be to wake up from that. Like, I feel I'm like, I'm smooth sailing, right? I'm like, just, I'm so scared of a hangover that I can confidently say like, I'll probably be sober forever without even really stressing it because I just know how shit a hangover like feels yeah dude that's what did it to me i was like i had the hangover to end all hangovers and i was like no never again i can't do it and yeah it's been 21 months and like i wake up and i feel great and like i know it's it's very underrated i think waking up every day without a hangover is like just un unmatched like even when you were like Oh, can we do it like early? Like record this early? I was thinking like I'm drinking anymore. Like I'm gonna be up, showered, shaved, coffeed by like long before you're like requesting this early meeting. So <laughs> I I'm loving it. I was hoping we got to I didn't wanna like talk about it and like dwell on it but yeah it's i had i heard that you weren't drinking anymore and i thought we could like relate on that for a minute it's i feel like i mean all of it skateboarding staying up late alcohol that's like a young person's game (laughs) i had so much fun doing all of it as well but now like i I don't, I can't, the hangovers, yeah, it's impossible. You know, like a couple drinks would just like ruin my life for like two days after. Oh, I know. Yeah, I just jokingly say like when people ask like, oh, do you you, you drink? I'm like, I'm retired. I'm retired. I'm good. You said I went out on a high note. I'm a, <laughs> I'm happy. I don't need to do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I get too, one of the things I find is like, Almost replacing like that, the joy of drinking, but like the joy of accomplishing things. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done a lot like since. I'm maybe not in spite of it, but just it happens that since you've quit, you've like become a realtor, like done all this stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely more productive. Like I wake instead of like waking up hungover and like being a pile for like the first six hours. I'm like, I get up. I'm like, oh, like, let me go downstairs, like work on the car a bit, like take it for a drive, go grab a coffee, like go for a run and like do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, what rad is 9 a.m. You know, like I've done all this rad stuff already. And in the past, I'd still be asleep or still awake even, you know, like 
Oh, yeah. Like the first couple, the first little bit was like a shock to my system because I would like do more in a day. Like exactly. Normally before I would even wake up, I've like done more by 10 a.m. than I used to do in like a full weekend. Yeah. No, it's 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 a great tool for productivity. It's I I feel too to be able to like really respect that though you kind of have to do too much of it when you're younger. Like oh, I, yeah. no, you gotta I like... mean I definitely did enough of it in the first part of my life that I don't feel I need to anymore, and I assume you as well. Hundred percent. I drank enough for two lifetimes, so I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. When uh, when are you actually becoming a father? Uh, like when when ish is the due date? End of February. Oh, like soon. Yeah. I always forget. I know, like you're not not really supposed to even like tease it until a few months in. So I always and some people wait. I feel I've like seen their like post about it and then like for like Austin, for instance, yeah. it was like I swear he like just started teasing that his like fiance was pregnant and now they had again. Yeah, I always it, see it comes so quick. Yeah, it's it's a trip. You're like, oh, I've got so much time, and next thing you know, like the baby's coming. But yeah, a lot of people wait. Um, we actually ended up having a bit of a scare. Like we thought we'd lost the baby. And so like I told people early, I was, I literally thought we lost the baby and we were like, oh man, that sucks. Like we were bummed. And then we went to the doctor and they were like, no, it's still all good. I was like, wait, what? Like oh, this kid's wow. already giving me anxiety and he's not even. Yeah, that, that's a crazy <laughs> like roller coaster. I was like, emotion. I'm like, okay, I'm having a kid. Oh, I'm not having a kid. Now I'm having a kid again. I'm like, all within the first like eight weeks of no, like, you know, I'm like, I guess this is parenting. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he'll either be more chill when it's real or just continue with the theme of like totally stressing you out. Day yeah, I mean, I hope he goes on the chill side, but you know, I'll take whatever comes out my way. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like just based based on this talk that you'll be able to kind of adapt yeah. either way. No, oh, I'm super hyped. I think it'll be great. So, like, what what happened with the scene out there? Like, after Index left, was there other? people that kind of like took the torch and ran with it a hundred percent i mean the gentleman i threw the most parties with dj dd he opened up his spot paradise like they opened up like a month before we closed and so it was this like total great transition we're like yeah like it's sad that we're closing and like people can't come to this space anymore but Derek's opening up a space and like they did a a wonderful job him and his team like it's a great spot and i'm glad that they did it and are still doing it and like they fly in like amazing guests so like the scene was able to just move over to Derek's spot right and then another spot opened up um called dolly as well so there's like 
the scene was able to move around and go to these other spots, thankfully, because I'd have felt bad if there was nothing else for them to go to. Yeah. Yeah, no, that also, like, not to keep reverting to talking about the studio, but I, I felt the same way. Like, I was more worried about what the scene would do without yeah. what we were offering. And, like, I'm not saying what we were offering was, like, altering anyone's life. But, you know, with us gone, with someone else going to be able to, like, serve the community what they got from us. And it was the same, like, a nice transition to someone else almost, like, at the exact same time. And that left me feeling, like, better about all of it as well. Yeah. Like, knowing that someone else was kind of, like, shouldering the the scene for all these kids. So... Did did Derek know that you were closing, or was that just like a happy accident? It was a happy accident. They it was like he wanted to do his own thing, which is awesome, and it just timed out perfectly that we ended up closing, like just after they opened. So that's perfect. Yeah, I um, you know, I have I have so many more questions, but I'm looking like we're we're kind of over. Over the time limit here, and I'm assuming like you, I don't have anything to do all weekend, but I assume you have lots to do. So unless there's anything else like pertinent you want to talk about, I I think that's that's good. Okay, no, I mean, all I can say is just like get interested into the stuff and just like you know keep learning. What actually before we go, you were saying like the race car is next. Oh yeah. Do you know what's next? Next? After the race car? Yeah, or is there anything else like kind of like alongside the race car? I guess just being a dad. Being a dad. That it's the dad in the race car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess as I said, it's like I don't know if anyone could could do much more like be a dad build a race car yeah no i think i'll stick to those two for now yeah yeah, yeah. It's prob- probably better for the sake of the the child and the sake of the car yeah 100 percent. that's uh man hopefully actually i don't know i was gonna say hopefully in five years i'm doing this but maybe not but I'll uh, I'll check in in five years and see if you've made the the drive out to the car show with sun and toe. Please do that. I I gotta make it happen. I mean, by then we could probably just I could come with you guys in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Just do a, just, just do a live a live podcast on the drive out. Oh yeah. But thank you very much for uh, entertaining these uh, sporadic questions. I oh, learned a lot. And uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the rest of the day and the weekend and fatherhood and everything else. Good luck. I don't think you'll need it, but best <laughs> of luck with the department. That's amazing. I, uh, I'm going to go right now and scroll back through the site and see if I find any easter eggs i missed the first time right on and thanks dude this was a lot of fun yeah yeah thank you pleasure is all mine 
enjoy uh, everything, like I said, and uh, hopefully talk soon. Thanks, man. Yeah. Have a good one. Cool. See ya.